Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. So um, I hear you're declaring war on uh, <laughs> Sam Altman. Is that true? I don't know. War assumes that they have a chance to win. They have no chance to win. <laughs> it's going to be a simple replacement of their uh, dystopian BS with like the proper form of things. Dude, it's crazy though. If you if you have you seen the news that even Johnny Ive is like doing business with him to like create some type of new orb. Like, what is going on in this world that they live in, Christopher? A bunch of people recently starting to talk about hardware devices, just all the chatter on Twitter today about how, like, hey, oh, so Grimes tweeted something about, like, I don't know if people who are, like, building these always-on devices have had to deal with abusive lovers or if they have children, like, and how just having something that is sort of this all-seeing eye that you're wearing, like, could affect things negatively in different ways. And so the the the, the, the sh- solution to basically all of this should be the individual user should be able to have complete control over what data they are either keeping locally or encrypted or they're sharing it or they're not. Um, and look, if there's some, let's just say that there's some business model that only makes sense if a bunch of users send their data to some place, like give me control over what I send and pay me for it. Pay me lightning sats for the data that you're using of mine. I, I think it's a pretty clear idea so just 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 doing like better open source decentralized bitcoin based opt in versions of all the dystopian tech <laughs> that the big guys are doing that'll keep us busy for for a few years. So I I, I want to get into a couple of things and we'll, we'll get more into to the project here in a little bit but let's just keep talking down this kind of thread here. I mean, you're the only guy that I know personally, Christopher, that's really full in on the AI stuff, especially when, when it intersects with Bitcoin and how you see the world with machine to machine payments, all that stuff. When you go over to this like Silicon Valley fiat, like AI at all costs to take over the world, like who, who are these people? Are, do they know about Bitcoin? Do they, do, they, do they know what you're doing? Like, what are some of the questions that you get? Like, just help me understand their, their mindset when it comes to this kind of like craziness that's going on? I would say that there is like a healthy respect for Bitcoin. If you're talking about like, just from what I know, for example, of like the AI builders, you know, the up and comers in, in a place like San Francisco, like generally there's a healthy respect for Bitcoin. They get that it's relevant in money in some ways. And, but, but, it seems like generally a lot of people are just trying to kind of climb the you know standard VC conveyor belt, go up the rungs of the ladder. And if the, if the people at the top of the rungs of those ladders are people talking about, they're not talking about Bitcoin, they're talking about WorldCoin. They're talking about like, you know, selling, extracting data, closed source AI, like a whole bunch of things optimized for, I don't know, values different than we're talking about. Um, and, you know, but, you know, that's just kind of what a lot of people see when they sort of like look up. But I think we have, you know, an opportunity to get to those people. And, 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 and part of the, the point of being pointed in the blog post of today was to like make clear that there is a line in the sand here 
uh, and there should be a line drawn in the sand between closed and open, between the people that are going to lobby D.C. in the standard playbook of regulatory capture, trying to pull up the drawbridges behind them and not let anybody else play with the cool toys because they're scaring the hell out of the government people to add more regulations. Standard playbook. Saw this with Uber, too. Like, oh, we're so big because we, you know, we're able to flout rules and bend rules and get to this point. But you don't want anyone else to do this because you're able to work with us. And so it's just it's the standard playbook. And the problem here and part of why we say, like, this has consequences, ramifications of evolutionary significance, because if you go to the government, these people who have been in some cases, outright copying some of the worst dystopian excesses from, for example, the Chinese Communist Party, which we saw during COVID. The lockdowns were imported whole cloth from China, as well as a lot of the bad science. Like You've got people that are seeing China and the, the Chinese government as worthy of emulation in the West. And those are the people running things. Those are the people that the Sam Altmans of the world are going to beg and play nice with. That whole power axis needs to be shattered. And it's going to be very simple. We're just going to organize everyone else because we outnumber them. <laughs> and if, when push comes to shove, if you make this clear to people, look, like, do you want that team or do you want team Bitcoin open, decentralized, like, true, you know, an open system for everybody. It's very clear. We just need to kind of uh, push that message. Right. So I'm, I'm just going to explain what's going on here. So the, um, so the listeners who are listening right now, so G GP Utopia, you guys released a blog post today. Um, and let me know if this is the right one, but this is the one that really struck a chord with me when I saw it. It says the GPU arms race has begun. Companies large and small are scrambling to hoard GPUs, which are now considerably harder to get than drugs. Some large companies are not only stockpiling GPUs, they are actively lobbying governments to establish safety regulations, creating barriers for smaller players. Um, yeah, dude, so that's the one from a couple of weeks ago. And that's that great, hits, you know, that hits really hard, though, right? Christopher, that hits really hard, like out the gate, dude, out the gate. You guys are just like. Bold. Not not hard enough, but but yeah, no. It's, it's check the, the the staging link that I emailed you. That's that's what we. By the time this airs, what we will have. So launched. so talk a little bit about the scrambling and the hoarding. Why I looked that up. Sure. <clears throat> so you've got a bunch of the large companies, OpenAI, Microsoft, the cloud providers, and a bunch of sort of like mid level GPU cloud wannabe companies scrambling to purchase the latest and greatest of the um, AI hardware from primarily NVIDIA um, backlogs out for years. And there's this massive supply constraint that, you know, the smart people in that one piece of analysis that we linked in that original blog post say this is going to last for years. But part of our point is that, look, if there is a massive supply crunch at this sort of high end of the market, there's a few things you can do with that. Number one is, you can do things on the software side to erode or undermine the sort of de facto monopoly that NVIDIA currently has. AMD hardware, for example, is about on par with and in some cases better than certain AI tasks than the equivalent NVIDIA hardware. But the thing that has NVIDIA have this such large degree of lock-in on data centers globally that power these kinds of AI workloads is because their software has been completely dominant and AMD has had no equivalent. But there's a number of projects, like my favorite is this one called TinyGrad uh, from George Hotz, the guy behind Comma AI. Um, They're specifically taking aim at this problem to get the software on the sort of AMD or at least non-NVIDIA side to, to catch up. So that's going to be one potential thing that's going to unlock a bunch of additional capacity on the software side. And then the other opportunity that we see that we haven't seen anyone doing really anything with is this idea of being able to bring additional capacity online, because particularly for some of these newer models that are coming out that are smaller and more powerful that can be run on consumer hardware, if you're able to bring online, let's say, some of that 
spare, unused, maybe forgotten GPU capacity from a crypto miner who used to mine for Ethereum before they switched to POS. And now they've got a bunch of GPU hardware just sitting there. I mean, we're, getting, we're getting tons of messages from people like, hey, I've got a bunch of GPUs sitting around. As soon as I can plug this in, people have already been like, you know, plugging in old, old things. So um, being able to bring additional capacity online, part of why that hasn't really happened yet to this point is there hasn't been a good way to like pay for that. We now have like fractional micropayments with Bitcoin, like, hey, you've given us one tiny little inference on a weak piece of hardware, but like, hey, that's worth three sats. Is someone willing to pay six sats, seven sats for that? You know, it's looking like the answer to that question is yes. Um, and so to, to, to be able to be in a position where we're able to bring additional capacity online, it's a really good position to be in. Number one, in the short term, we can start alleviating some of these supply constraints where if you're a researcher or a startup who wants to get your hands on these larger or more powerful or just get access to compute generally, and let's say you don't have the clout to be able to you know, get, the, get it straight from the source from NVIDIA, parceling it out to their favorite companies, or you can't even get the, a bunch of the cloud providers like Lambda, their main offerings require you to get month or year-long contracts. And what if you just want to run one job? There should be a marketplace that allows anybody to just get the compute that they need at a floating rate, spin up, spin down. Maybe the price is going to be two, three, four X higher than you would have paid to some cloud guy. But now you at least have that available. Now we have a, a floating rate in a marketplace of buyers and sellers that should be well balanced. If you extrapolate that out a year or two, and if we're actually able to bring on a serious amount of new compute while also innovating on the software side to be able to do more with less and bring us generally to closer to on par with some of the larger providers uh, and AI companies. And we're talking about potentially being able to drive prices down across the board to just straight up undercut some of the larger cloud providers. I think that's a great position to be in to start thinking about what other services we want to layer on top of that. Right. So we we just had we just wrapped up the TabConf hackathon. And one of the projects that came out of that was this like, uh, they called it data buffet, but it was these services that all connected into these different LLMs, right? Like, and from my understanding, and I'm still learning about this stuff. And that's why I reach out to you about it all the time. But like, my understanding is that theoretically, GPU Topia, we'd be able to plug in that API instead of, instead of like an open AI API, right? Is Is that, is that how it would work? And then they, they would be paying sats towards that? How would, how how, how yeah. does how does the builder uh, inside of Plub Lab take advantage of, of something like that? They remove the OpenAI API URL and they drop in the GPU to GPU Topia API URL. We we built it specifically to use the same syntax as OpenAI's API. A bunch of other projects have done the same thing because they want it to be as easy as possible to switch away from OpenAI, and that's something that we've been able to test internally in the, <clears throat> in the last couple of weeks where we take some of the projects that me and my CTO have worked on here and there that have worked with OpenAI and we're like, does this work with our infrastructure? You know, co copy, paste, and like, oh, wow, like we're actually serving these requests to our own infrastructure. And there's obviously limitations and we're, you know, nothing that we have is yet comparable to GPT-4, but, you know, we're not going to be trying to compete directly with GPT-4 right off the bat. There's all sorts of other opportunities with, you know, being able to take a model that's almost state-of-the-art for some of those large language models like Llama 2 and be able to easily fine-tune it on some docs and to be able to slot that into a workflow where maybe you've got a few of these different trained uh, uh, models purpose-built for your use case that are going to, in aggregate, perform better than GPT-4. takes a little bit more work to do that, but everything around those kinds of workflows ideally are going to be easy enough for GPUtopia sometime by the end of this year you who have some workflow in mind where you want to upload your company's docs, have it go into a particular you know, bucket, have this level of encryption on it. And anyone who has contributed GPU compute to that, you know, some particular vector embedding algorithm that you're using as you're dragging and drop this little workflow, um, everyone getting paid sort of a fair amount of sats. That's a service that you'll pay for. And we think that that's going to be, you know, pretty high in demand, even outside people that have Bitcoin currently. No, I, I think, I think, yeah, where you're headed is exactly what we need. <laughs> like, cause we're already having to you know, leverage these other, you know, these, you know, these kind of crazy ass <laughs> like 
dystopian like APIs and like, let's just, let's, let's just like seriously pivot to something that's just more Bitcoiner uh, friendly and, and, and open. And um, I love the fact, like I finally found the, the, the post, but I, I love the fact that you are doing this on a repo on GitHub. Like this is open source. Are you crazy? <laughs> Did your investors love this? Like what, what's going on here? What's going on here? The short, answer is, the short answer is yes. And, you know, we, 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 we are strategic about it. We, we, we didn't develop it completely open source from day one, but we're now at the point where we're like, you know, there's always a risk that someone could, you know, click copy paste and, and like, you know, fork Bitcoin out of it and add a shit coin. But I, I think we're at the point where there's enough demand for this. Generally people recognize that, I think our, our argument, I haven't heard any good counter arguments for something I've been saying for a number of weeks now, which is there are a number of these crypto projects trying to do very similar things to what we're doing. Some, some doing, trying to do exactly what we're, we're trying to do in terms of unifying global compute into one marketplace. But every project that I've seen, it's, they've got a white paper, they've got a Discord community with a token, and they're not really shipping any product. I haven't seen any of these companies live with a product. And it, it just reminds me of like doing this same thing six years ago, five years ago with trying to build the centralized ride sharing, how you had a bunch of these like blockchain based ride share projects. I lost count at like 20 of them would pop up with a white paper and a website. They'd raise money, they'd disappear, they'd never ship anything. And like, there's something to be said for just put out something simple. And put, if you're talking about whether it's rideshare or whether you're talking about, you know, GPU compute, if you're building a marketplace, do the simplest thing necessary to connect buyers and sellers. It shouldn't be that hard. And then do things that help you. Like Bitcoin answers a problem, which is you know, one of the reasons why OpenAI had such slow rollout to some countries outside of the U.S., was the issue of fraud. If you are lighting a graphics card on fire every time that you're running an inference, if someone runs up a big bill on a credit card and then charges you back, you've lost all of that. That's, that's a huge risk for you. But if payment is done through a bearer asset, there's no chargebacks. Like that, that lets us expand a lot further globally. So Bitcoin was relevant uh, in, in that way, as well as for the micropayments. Um, and also like open source, like we're open sourcing now because we actually need the help. We've done a bunch of validation. We've kind of taken things up to the point where we've like built this like really sophisticated, um, you know, engineering and, and initial model where we've got we've got the, the, the front end web interface. We've got the two pieces of Python software we call the worker bee and the queen. Bee. Yeah. So so in here, you actually go through it. Um, you have the GPU topia. This website and front-end UI, uh, it's all built on Next.js, V13, React, TypeScript, Tailwind. You got Worker B, the AI worker, Python with executables for Linux. You got the Queen B, the coordinator of all the AI workers, Python. Dude, good on you, man, for really sticking to this open source ethos. Like you, you could have taken an entirely different way, um, but good on you for for leading in that direction. Because, if you know, the, the next AI companies that come following you, like in different sectors or wherever they're going to be, like... This is just a good flag to put out there, right? And, you know, and I, I think it's awesome that our incentives are aligned such that I can make sort of the moral argument about why open source matters. But I, I, I can also put it in, in pragmatic terms. Like, like, I think open source and being open source is going to position us strategically way better than if we were trying to, like, hide everything or just be cool about, you know, we've got this proprietary secret technology. I think we're going to, I think it's going to result in there being a whole bunch more builders trusting us enough to work in our ecosystem if they can look and see what the code is. And if someone like is able to look at the code and say, man, you really fucked up this piece of it here, let me help you out. And we throw them a little bit of Bitcoin, you know, I think it, 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 it's going to help us. Yeah, absolutely. And then at the, at the end of the blog post, you mentioned how actually open AI must win. Um, can you look, can you talk about that? I know Max had wrote a post on his, on his blog, but, um, how, how do you, how, how do you see this kind of this, um, this open kind of artificial intelligence kind of thing playing out and like it truly open, right? Yeah, I think, um, 
Well, I think we're talking about like just the most powerful technology that humanity has yet known. And the question is, who should have access to it? Um, and what was fascinating was I was listening to the, the, the last few chapters of Walter Isaacson's new biography uh, on Elon Musk. I've been like going through it uh, chapter by chapter, but I skipped ahead to the end because I wanted to hear the story of, of Elon helping to found OpenAI. And just hearing that origin story of OpenAI it was absolutely fascinating how Elon Musk met Sam Altman. They, had a, they were kind of like nervous. And Elon was particularly nervous because he had a conversation with Larry Page, one of the Google founders at some event like 2013 or whatever. And Larry <laughs> apparently was saying stuff like, it doesn't matter if the machines replace us and kill us all because that'll just be like the next stage of human evolution. And Elon's like, uh, I actually like humanity and uh, I don't want you guys to be in charge and running the show here. Um, so Elon kind of like bounced that off of a, ideas of a few compatriots, including Sam Altman. And so the, the founding rationale and why Elon wrote a massive check to fund the early nonprofit called OpenAI was specifically to provide this open counterweight to the companies like Google that were developing who knows what in secret. And it's just a massive hypocrisy that today they are the exact opposite. They are become what they were founded to oppose. They are a company building in secret, building whatever they want, and also lobbying governments to make it so that other people like us can't do that. Uh, that that needs to be challenged. We just need to get back to the original vision of OpenAI. Like, no, these these closed source people now, including OpenAI, they need truly open counterweights, um, and th there's certainly a big demand for that. Do you do you see this as? Um... I mean, as, as well as kind of like, cause Bitcoin sits at a really interesting time right now, right? Like open AI is, uh, is doing what they're doing, but it just AI in general is doing what it's doing. You also have these, this Bitcoin that's kind of, it's been around for, you know, a while now people kind of understand it. You're, you're now building on it, uh, with lightning you're seeing these machine issue machine payments. Like what, like, what does this turn into Christopher, as far as like, the world that they want, but this this other world that we as Bitcoiners want to to see happen. Like, do, do you do you think is there there is there a possibility that um, that that we can get there? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm seeing it as you know these issues of AI and money are so intertwined, and you can learn a lot. I think about what kinds of controls are gonna be coming down the road on AI by just looking at the kinds of controls that are already coming with money. So the, the whole push for CBDCs and like total surveillance over money and how Bitcoin is just like completely juxtaposed on the other side of that. Um, I think you're gonna see things like that on the AI side. In fact, I just saw some zero hedge tweet the other day that like Biden is preparing to issue an executive order about AI related somehow this year, like, oh my gosh, like, we'll, we'll see what's actually in that, but are they going to like try to come at us directly because they had all of this like parade of like corporates going there to scare the hell out of them? Like, let's just see what that, what that ends up looking like. But I think if the, and part of why I'm, I, I want to continue making outreach to the, you know, open-minded AI builders who may not yet fully grasp the importance and benefit of Bitcoin is that I think that by bringing these two communities together, the AI builders and the Bitcoiners, I think we're just going to be building like the engineery of freedom and it's going to be monetary and it's going to be technology. And, and it, it's, it's largely in defense of like the individual's ability to consent to the types of interactions that they're in um, and to trade freely and to connect freely. Uh, and to build freely and perform whatever mathematical computations freely, even if the types of things that get created might be threatening to some people in power. Well, that's too bad. We're free people. We can build what we want. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fascinating now that you also have this, this aspect of like geopolitics is already involved with it, with El Salvador being this, you know, this, this shining example of what happens when you have a country go 
all in on Bitcoin and they're still early days, but you have them having enough success that other countries are starting to look at that. Um, it's going to be a real question in, in the U.S. and other you know, Western developed countries. Um, are, are we going to be following the path of like <laughs> decline, but like trying to manage the decline by borrowing pages from like China, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party's playbook? Like, or are we going to be going in this, this more open direction? And I, I, I think it's just strictly a binary choice there. Fortunately, the the people that are are trying to use government power to to like force you know slow things down or tie things up. What, what are their their weapons? Are only like deceit, like lies, printing money. Like <laughs> they're 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 gonna lose eventually. I just I hope they don't cause too much damage before they get uh you yeah. know replaced. Gosh, man. Um, yeah. Thank you for what you do, man. That's um, that's a noble mission. Um, I think I, I, I let, let's jump into GP Utopia, but before we before we jump into that, I, I want to, dude. Do you remember? Do you remember how we met? Early Pleb Lab stuff or what? Just like ABC. Do you remember that first ABC that we met? Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Dude, isn't it crazy? Like looking back, like 2021 to where all of us are now, like that whole first wave of Bitcoiners in 2021 that came to Austin and how all of us are like doing our own thing now. Isn't that in kind of, I was thinking about it this morning because I knew we were going to be talking. I was just like, isn't that insane? That whole group, it was like a wave of Bitcoiners. And, and I look at the, I look at where we are all, all of us individually are at now. And I'm just like, so it's kind of, it's just interesting. Um, the Austin community has been, been amazing. And I, you know, I'm, I'm sad. I, I miss it, but was there for six years, um, came to New York for the wolf thing. And, and, and look, I think Austin is at the center of, of Bitcoin. Um, I want New York to be more central too. Cause I think like Austin's kind of like, it's kind of like a nice, like headquarters, like the Bitcoiners are like taking over Texas. It's like awesome to see. And I just think like New York is like, you know, headquarters of the financial and media capital of all the old powers here. Like I want us to get a foothold here more and just kind of like, I don't know, learn a thing or two about getting scalable technology and comms out to people. I I, I don't know, but um, no, that definitely a lot, a lot of special good things to say about, about the awesome community there. And yeah, yeah it's cool now, it'll happen. Awesome. It'll happen in New York. I'm, I'm bullish just on everything that's going up there, going on up there right now. Um, let's talk about GP Utopia. So, where did this idea come from? I, I I know I know like you said, there's all these other web companies doing it with the token, but like you're dude, since I've known you, man, you've always been like ahead of the curve of, of how you think. You're always constantly doing research. I remember you and Super in the in the olden days, like just always like on the same page with like where everything's headed and stuff. Just like where do you like where do you uh where did this idea come from? Was it something that you're already interested in just, you know, vertically, horizontally? Like what, what, what was it about this idea of uh, GPU compute that really got you going? Uh, well, a couple of things, you know, number, number one was um, just, you know, heavily playing with ChatGPT and stuff since it came out in November. And, you know, I built some early kind of chat AI chat bots and like AI agents um, in January. And so of this year, just recognizing like there's, absolutely huge potential with all of that generally. Um, and then, you know, one of the big thing themes that I focused on during the Wolf Accelerator, uh, you know, in the spring was this idea of like Noster and lightning powered marketplaces and how one of the big ideas that Noster enables, like Noster has been enabling sort of this global identity graph where everyone's just got their, you know, public key identity it's been enabling a global conversation space where posts in one client can be fetched by another. Um, it somewhat recently now enables a public chat space. I wrote the public chat spec about a year and a half ago after fleshing out like, oh, this actually could be used for chat in a public way. Uh, my co-founder and CTO wrote NIP 112 draft for like how to do that in a private way with encrypted events. Um, and so Nostra enables these sort of like shared global it's it's basically just like a language or like a way of structuring data such that you know multiple different projects can adapt it and compose it in different ways and as i was thinking about this it's like what else is needed 
for Nostr to be able to support the thing that I've been working on and trying to bring about for years, which are decentralized marketplaces. And my, my focus previously had been around the gig economy because I saw a bunch of asymmetries there during my time driving to Uber eight years ago now. Um, and I've kind of come to develop this thesis that Nostr is like the logical substrate that should power decentralized marketplaces because we enable decentralized order books as well as decentralized reputation as the other two kind of missing building blocks to enable decentralized marketplaces at scale. Um, and so I did, did a bunch of initial work on that. And my initial formulation of how to apply that was in sort of like a Bitcoin Lightning Nostra version of WeChat, just like a mobile app to super app that enables people to like easily do transactions uh, and commerce related peer to peer. Um, but but I, I, I kind of had a number of thoughts watching sort of the AI thing take off, which was, you know, part of the, the thesis around like Nostra and Lightning is that um, <clears throat> it can enable people to connect truly peer to peer and can maybe bring services online in a way that the centralized powers would sort of like overlook or not allow. So like with Arcade City, my rideshare company previously, it was like, we could connect people who maybe drove a car that wasn't supported by Uber or they wanted to pay in a payment method. And so it's like kind of like on the edges of what the larger players would support. And so as I started seeing this kind of market of the GPU compute take shape where you've got now this very hotly in demand product called GPU computation and the market had been evolving to support like large companies, just people that maybe had access to a whole bunch of resources that people who might want to do really awesome stuff with it just cannot easily do because we're either priced out of the market, we don't have the access. And it's like, this is not just like getting a ride somewhere. This is like the most important technology in like the future of humanity and who controls it is going to like really change how our future looks. And so that idea of like, this needs to be as broadly accessible as possible. Oh, okay. Because like the, the, the whole thought was was kind of like, what is the the product or service that this like Nostra Lightning Marketplace really makes sense for? It's like, oh, this is actually a perfect fit for um, you know GPU computation and AI services. And then once we started thinking from that angle, all of these other like opportunities kind of came up that, that I don't see people doing so much of. It's so, like this, this list on our, our, our blog post. like there's like now like 10 yeah. different things. Now, let me just briefly blast. Yeah, yeah, go for it. That the things we started with was like enabling anyone to sell their unused GPU capacity for Bitcoin. That's the first thing that we tested with our initial beta. We're like, hmm, are people actually willing to do this? Yes, a bunch of people are. They love that idea. Like it's a very easy sell to like, hey, you like, you have some spare GPU compute. Can I buy it from you for Bitcoin? Like, sure. And you're not asking me like how much. You're just like, I didn't know I could yeah. get anything from you. It's like anything good. It's like, okay, we'll figure out the details later. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, so en enabling anyone to easily buy and use that GPU compute on an open marketplace. If I'm a researcher and I want to pay for one, one job and not get a whole big ass server, just like, here's the marketplace. I'll pay for it. Like, let's do it. So number three. Enabling anyone to get paid for data they contribute to train new models. Everyone, the people right now are fighting about like, oh, what gets put in the models and you're not paying me this or paying me that. But like, what if you can just voluntarily choose to share certain data with AI models and get paid for the data that you share? Like pay people for their data, you know, after giving them the chance to give it to you or not. Um, that's three. Four, enabling AI researchers to earn micropayments for use of their models. There's people uploading models to Hugging Face and not Prisms. getting paid. <laughs> yeah, like, hey guys, like, yeah. keep uploading it to Hugging Face, but upload yeah. it to GPUtopia too and get paid some kind of fractional rev share. Enabling AI engineers to get paid for workflows they create proportional to usage. Like, if you're creating some component that people use over and over, why not get paid a little bit of that? Incentivizing R&D into new models that can do more with less. Same idea. Composing models and processes, processes like retrieval into workflows and agents with contributors to each step share micropayments proportional to their contribution. If an AI agent might have 10 different steps and you wrote the like amazing vector embedding algorithm that slots into that, like, hey, have some fractional rev share. It's very easy to do with Bitcoin now. Uh, a, a point that I just added uh, after reading some of the hardware stuff today was 
bringing AI to the edge with wearable hardware connected to our GPU mesh. That's probably way further into the future. Wait, 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 wait. Say that slower. So you're saying like, yeah, how would that work? So the, 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 the phrase was bringing AI to the edge with wearable hardware connected to our GPU mesh. So, so just to give an idea, an, a, a parallel from fiction in Kim Stanley Robinson's novels, the, uh, you know, the Red Mars books about, you know, set in the 2040s where the space explorers have their like little earbuds with their own personal AI. And it's all oh, encrypted wow. to them with quantum encryption or whatever, but they're able to have conversations and like it, it remembers everything about you. It's got internet access. We can do whatever you want. And it's just all private to you. And so like that itself is a powerful idea, but like, what if also that was maybe some sort of like mesh connected where if someone nearby you didn't have that, but they wanted to rent compute from you, they could just pay you some SaaS to use it. Like just the idea of like there being AI at the very edge, the individual person that's somehow like monetized via lightning. And it's probably, I don't know, years out, but um, yeah, I went to this like semiconductor conference in, in Taiwan a few weeks ago just to do a little bit of like R&D into, in, into this kind of thing. But like there's chip makers and, and people who would love to, you know, design custom custom chips for that kind of thing when, when, when we get to that point. Uh, but hey, maybe there's a bunch more that we can do with just kind of off the shelf stuff. You know? And then then the last point on this was just doing all like any and all of the above in an open and decentralized marketplace accessible to all people. And part of the reason that we are intentionally going open source is because if we were to try to do these things as one single company of a few people, like we would have to pick one or two probably because, um, you know, and any investor would say, well, you got to focus and you got to pick one, but like, no, we're building the marketplace that's putting a price on all of these services you know, on top of some economic injury called a buy-sell marketplace for compute, we are now able to have any developer, any AI researcher, any person who wants to go promote this and earn sats. It's just like fractional rev share all throughout it. Um, you know, the exact details TBD, but like, fuck, let's just, let's do the whole thing, people. <laughs> Gosh, dude. That's a, uh, yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it's just an order book with, and then you can add prisms later, right? At some point, um, yeah, dude. Gosh. Yeah, and for those who haven't read uh, Google uh, Dergigi's article about lightning prisms, um, that's probably something that, I mean, hell, we'll probably fund a bounty specifically for prisms. Just this idea of being able to do like programmatic rev share splits between, you know, lightning participants. Yeah, yeah we have the guys, uh, one of the guys here is working with uh, another developer who we had for Startup Day on the prism stuff. It's 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 pretty bullish, dude, uh, what they're doing with that. But yeah, so talk to me about that order book, right? Because I think that's the, an interesting thing that you're bringing here to, to AI, <laughs> especially when it connects uh, or intersects with with uh, Bitcoin and Lightning. Like, talk about the order book. Like, w- w- like obviously, you're going to need an order book and you had to conceive that at some point. But how, how hard did you go down that rabbit hole as far as like trying to, because at the end of the day, it sounds it sounds easier than it probably is, I would imagine. Yeah, so, so one of our priorities is like shipping as fast as humanly possible. And as simple as Noster is, there's just like some parts of the model that we're launching with that like we would have to kind of go out of our way to do the Noster version of that. So some of the Noster stuff is on our sort of like short to medium term roadmap. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the hackathon project you were talking about earlier from the Zebedee guys probably used the Noster NIP 90 specification from Pablo, this idea of data vending machines. And like all of that is like exactly. I think they start, I think they, I don't mean to interrupt. I think they started, um, I think they started down that path, but they since uh, have asked to, uh, to introduce their own NIP for it. But yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So there, there'll be things like that where it's like, what's out there is like cool, but maybe slows you down a little bit. You kind of like do your own take on it. My, my, my fundamental belief is that the end state of, all trade liquidity of any good, any service is going to be done in an open network. Um, you know, you can debate like at what is should your priorities be in, in the meantime. Um, so we want to, and we also want to view when we lean further into Nostra integration as have that be strategic because there's some other provider or consumer that Nostra is the logical way for us to communicate with them. And there's a group like right now, there's just like not really much demand out there that's like 
ready to speak nostril to each other. So in the short term, the like equivalent of that marketplace or order book for us now is done through our coordinator script that Queen B. And as of you know today, anyone can go and look at the source code of how that's done, but just very simple algorithms for doing things like punishing slow uh, inferences. So someone, um, you know, there's some of the people who've connected their, um, you know, GPUs to be sold have like just complete dog shit GPUs. So, <laughs> and, and if it takes you, you know, 20 seconds to send us one token, like maybe someone will give you a fraction of a sat for that, but like probably people want to pay for the faster stuff. So just right now, until we get the full kind of like, you know, you, you can envision that this be this is full, this should be fully granular where you can pay for the speed that you want, pay for the availability that you want. There should be a reputation system where this person has served, you know, 99% successful requests in the short term, or just need to make some quick decisions about what our algorithm of the queen bee is. And if you don't like that algorithm, just fork the queen bee, like swap in your own thing. That, that We hope to see that there will be a bunch of kind of experimentation as the algorithm goes, but we will evolve that to the point where, you know, we have this simple spec that we can publish on our GitHub that uses Nostra that anyone with a Nostra client can easily consume. Um, and, or, or, or maybe in two months, Nostra 2 comes out and it's way better and we use that instead. But just whatever helps us achieve the mission faster, we will do. Yeah. So for right now, people can go to gputopia.ai and then uh, I signed up with just my Alpi address and it would just work pretty easily that way too as well. So um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah, not Nostra marketplace would make sense, but at the same time, it sounds like a complete um, absolute headache. Part of why we love the Albi integration is because it enables anybody to have both a built-in lightning wallet and also Nostra integration as part of one login email yeah. pass. Uh, so, and we're going to start to do more with Nostra. Probably the first stuff we do with Nostra is just going to be by integrating like social posts. Um, and just cause, cause one of the other, um, areas of opportunity for GPU Utopia is to enable more social interactions, more collaboration in doing the kinds of things that, so for just, I'll, I'll give you one example. Uh, one of the other Bitcoin and AI projects out there, Spirit of Satoshi is doing some great work with sort of like this a manual data entry operation, cleaning up data to feed this, their own Bitcoin uh, language model, which I hope they use us to train. Uh, we've got to talk to them more about that. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of social coordination that goes into that. And what's interesting is I, I heard a talk from um, one of the, the co-creators of the Transformer, one of the original authors. And one of the points that he made was that future models may actually not just get bigger with more parameters like gpt5 is just going to be bigger than gpt4 and and one of the, the the kind of points that he made was that um for us to evolve beyond gpt4 in some respect there's going to need to be more maybe intermediate steps where the model spits out one kind of initial string that maybe that or a tweaked version of the model uses to like reframe the prompt or do something else with there's going to need to be more of this kind of like chaining and you're starting to see some of that with people playing with agents or, or putting a smaller model in front of a larger one. Uh, but but part of his point was that there's going to need to be a whole bunch of like, you know, human coordination and testing and like experimentation and collaboration around that, that like we really just don't know how to organize. So I'm like, oh, like my my thought that there should be some sort of social and collaborative experiences that people are kind of working together to train things and have some benchmarks where they can look and compare and try different things and compose things where you're not starting from scratch every time. I think that's not just going to be like important to, you know, iterate use cases that, that people resonate with, but that might also come to be important in just training the new generation of state of the art models. There might be things that our particular network structure position just positions us well to do that companies that are relying on, you know, some of these companies are using outsourced labor and they're just like paying some, some remote workers in some other country to do a particular set of data entry. Uh, if we subject all of that to market forces with like a really clear open social layer, we might be able to run circles around people doing that. We'll see. Yeah. It's cause it's interesting, right? Like it's almost like you, you have this, 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 uh, 
I don't know what you would call it. What would you call that? Just a module in front that then fetches or, or maybe delivers into where it's grabbing that information from? Is, is that what you're describing? Like basically, there's, I, like there's, I, um, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember the exact name. There, there's like a name for like, if you have a model with another model, there's some, some term that's leaving my mind there, but, but re, regardless of whether it's that particular one of like a model and a model, there could be an API and a model. There could be uh, kind of what the, um, what Paul's company stack is doing where yeah. they've got a whole kind of human in the loop thing where you can have humans pass this onto their, um, the, the point is that we don't actually know what the correct like structure should be. And there's, there's room for innovation there, but if the building blocks are like structuring these workflow processes of data flowing in and, and you know, training the, the algorithm, like whatever those steps should be, um, you know, making that as modular, composable, integrated with payments so that people can be fairly compensated for any work that gets done. Um, I, I think the, the, the market properly unleashed and incentivized will figure out the best, best path forward. Right. Gosh, that's it. That's a, that's, yeah, dude, this is so cutting edge, man. It's so, do you wake up every morning and think to yourself, like, how did I end up here <laughs> as far as like, did you ever like, yeah, cause you knew about AI growing up as a kid. Like, did you, did you think like you were going to be doing AI stuff? No, no. And you know, and, and until recently it was, it was largely the province of like AI researchers, like in academics writing papers and stuff, but it's just in the last year or so gotten to the point where like, you know, hackers like me can pick it up and be like, Oh, wait a second. There's some opportunities if we do X, Y, and Z, as well as if you just understand like just just the the the, the politics of bureaucracy and how things get funded and don't i mean there's, there's there's all sorts of opportunity from from organizations having blind spots like so I'll, I'll i'll give you one example um so meta facebook you know um props to them for putting out llama 2 um you know they they when they do those releases they release models, you know, sequenced by the weights, you know, 7B, 13B, 70B, uh, as well as the pre-trained and the chat models. If you use the chat models and you ask it to do something like, you know, like write a poem for my girlfriend, the response will be, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have the consent of your girlfriend. And like, that's not nice to <laughs> write things that objectify people. I'm like, like, she's sitting right next to me. Like, you can do it. Oh, no, I can't. Like, I, I asked it the other day, I just like a demo prompt was like, say hello to my little friend. And the response was like, well, I can't objectify people, describe them by their physical characteristics. Like what the, f like just do it. So now they release these like, like completely lobotomized, like safety chat versions, but they also release the pre-trained versions, which are not optimized for chat, but also don't have all of that RLHF like lobotomy. So if you just go and do just the straight completion, you can like, you, I, I just tested like, like, fuck, 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 fuck. And then it was like, yeah, fuck, 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 fuck. I was like, all right, this can at least drop the F-bomb. What else can you do with this? But now they've done all of this work to create this like pretty good model that all you got to just do is, is train in different ways. Um, but if you're trying, if you're, let's say you're, you're building a video game, um, you can't use GPT-4 to power credibly antagonistic villains Hey, you know, say this bad thing. Oh, I can't do that. Like, so that we're, we're, we're hoping that that's maybe one potential, you know, customer of ours that's thoroughly unserved by all of the companies concerned about safety and stuff like that. Like, no, sorry, there needs to be like good, credible AI for villains and stuff. And companies shouldn't have to build all that stuff in-house. Um, like, can we figure out how to do that safely? You know, probably yes. So like, uh, I think there's all sorts of opportunities like that. Do you, do you see this kind of, do you see uh, some other, like, cause this just like, let's just say hypothetically, you are able to grab all these GPUs that are just kind of sitting dormant. You know, we have computers here in the lab that we just use for mempool that we could throw, you know, GPU Topia on just running. Like, like let's say you grab it all, Christopher, let's say you grab it all. Um, what's, what's after that? Does it turn into like a farm? Like, like, cause you're basically bringing back Bitcoin mining to the GPU in a lot of, in a lot of ways, right? Like pre 2012 or whatever it was when you could do that 2011. Yeah. So I think we may see some of the same trends toward 
professionalization and like, you know, network growth over time that prices out smaller people. Like, like there, there's probably opportunities right now to spin up and we're going to be testing this. We have like a A10 and A100 that we're renting by the hour from Lambda. And we're going to try running our software on that. And just like, we'll set the price such that it's, it's profitable, whatever it is. And we'll have one of the first few A10s and A100s on the network. So we know some people will want to use it. And like that will probably be profitable for us just renting a cloud. And that might be profitable for people for a few months if they're like, they're the ones going and doing it and setting it up. And then there'll probably come a point where that then stops being profitable. Um, so I, you know, it should, I, I hope it, it is at least seen as challenging and fun for some of the people who did, you know, early GPU mining to now kind of like recreate that type of discovery and, you know, like fracking for GPU compute. Um, but, you know, it, it, what does this look like if we are able to connect even a percentage, you know, we're, we're, we're gunning for connecting, you know, all of the world's compute into one decentralized network. But even if we were able to, to, to connect, you know, one to 10% of the world's active GPU compute into a network, number one, that's not owned by anybody. It's, it's a public utility. It should be freely usable by anyone who, who steps up and pays SaaS for it. So you know, you, we don't know what types of innovation will come out of that. And we just want that to be available for everybody. And that's going to be a team effort. You know, the code's all open source. Everyone can kind of help ensure, um, you know, I have fun thinking through what sort of basically unlimited swarm AI compute can enable in terms of things that you build on top of that. And one, one simple thought exercise is like, with OpenAI or any of the other larger providers, like how do you get a thousand inferences done in five seconds with different prompts for all of them? Like if you've got your one API key, you can't do that, but you got a job that you want to have a thousand different things said, maybe in different languages or different prompts, or different things or different like aspects of a scientific calculation uh, that, that that swarm compute now enables. So that's just one, one kind of like, what can people do with that? I don't know, but I think that there's going to be um, new use cases that get unlocked from this. And you know, if we're thinking about our our own business positioning in the short term, looking out for those opportunities and looking for how to productize them or to make it easier for developers to productize them. And we'll take a little, you know, one percent here and there. Um, but I, I don't know is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also the exciting and scary part at the same time. Uh, I, I, I know you got to go here in a little bit. Just going to ask one, two more questions and then I'll let you go get back to it. Um, if, if there's somebody listening right now that, 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 uh, that's also trying to do something in the AI space, they're a founder, you know, they're entrepreneur or they're just a developer. What's uh, what's some good advice you would give them as far as like, uh, what's a, what to look out for what, what type of book, or maybe there's a video or I don't know, but like what, 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 what kind of advice would you give to any kind, any kind of anybody else aspiring to do something similar or the same domain? I'd say um, there's probably all sorts of opportunity to be found outside of sort of like the standard conveyor belt of what you might think some buttoned up VC in some office on San Francisco uh, uh, would want to see. Uh, if you're building for this future that we're talking about of like, openness and and you know decentralized there's a lot of people who've made a bunch of money whether from crypto or bitcoin or stuff you know in the, in recent years that are actually wanting to support that kind of thing so you know don't be afraid to be counter cultural in some ways and just like don't be afraid to be loud and be principled as long as my and my my emphasis for myself is like make sure you're shipping product like put code out and then just fucking go balls to the wall with it. Uh, a cu couple of other points of advice. Number one is um, reach out to us and see how we can help. I mean, if we're pushing in the same direction, uh, we want to support each other. So uh, we just opened up our community discord and that's where I invite anybody listening who wants to get involved with GPUtopia or just learn and observe uh, to join our discord. That's open. Uh, we're going to be, you know, doing some pretty cool Know, kind of like teamwork around these bounties that we've just announced. So we, we're, we're putting out a one Bitcoin worth of bounties that we want to get mm. distributed in the next two weeks. If that goes well, we'll do another Bitcoin or more after that. Um, 
20% of that bounty is specifically for community def defined things. So we don't like know what people will want to see, but we're just making some funding available for people to do cool stuff. Um, if there's any, you know, entrepreneurs who, who see any potential to kind of collaborate with us in the direction that we're going, uh, please feel free. The other thing I would, I would suggest people reading and, and a book that's been um, probably fundamental to my early success with Arcade and now with GPU Topia is a book called Swarmwise by Rick Falkfinger. That's free online as a PDF. If you Google Swarmwise PDF, one word, um, the subtitle is The Tactical Manual to Changing the World. It's all about basically creating a movement that's grassroots, it's broad base. I think the opening quote is like, uh, your your biggest weakness isn't the fact that you have uh, people not working for you or people working for you aren't working hard enough, said the guy to the executive. It's the it's the thousands of people that want to work for you for free, but you're not letting them. Uh, so we're kind of taking that idea, not asking people to work for free. We're going to pay them Bitcoin and, and bounties and stuff like that. But there, there's a whole bunch of people that want to do cool stuff. And we have a way now with Bitcoin to fairly compensate them. And I, I hope to see other companies adopting that approach. Gosh, that's some great advice, man. That's some really good advice. We have, uh, we actually have uh, Lily. She's coming in in two weeks to do implementing and scaling large language models um, for large data. She's going to do a whole workshop on that. So we'll share that online. Cool. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's interesting how here in Austin, it's kind of slowly kind of taking off this whole AI thing, but I, I, I love what you said about you know, have some conviction about what you're building, especially if it's in the direction that you guys are going and also collaborating on it. It seems like that seems to be a faster way to, to getting progress in this. In this, in this. Uh, I'll make one, one request okay. for support. Um, and that is we've kind of positioned ourselves to be like, in, in some ways we're going to be many people's first um, exposure to Bitcoin as like something that you can actually use and do cool things with. Um, we are making certain decisions like, you know, starting with a focus on just supporting Albi and not other kind of cool ways of lightning login or whatever. And, and some of that will expand over time. Um, but there's going to be one of the things that we're going to need help with is like education of our hopefully fast growing user base as to how best to plug people into the Bitcoin ecosystem, make sure they don't get distracted by the latest loud scam and are doing best practices in, in Bitcoin. So, so just as one example off the top of my head, um, if we can somehow adapt, just, just spitballing here, somehow adapt like the mutiny web wallet into our web interface for people that want the next level of things upgraded. There's all sorts of probably integrations where we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to work with people that are doing the best on education or software, whatever. And just like, let's, let's orange pill everyone who will want to use AI. Yeah. If I remember correctly, you guys were in a hackathon together in 2021, right? Like you guys were all hacking on different I've stuff, but like, these days, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, crazy, man. Crazy to see the growth. I love, love that you came on, talk about GPU Topia. I'll put all the links in the show notes and everything like that. Um, is there anything that you've been doing in AI that you've, you're kind of surprised by? Surprised by how probably achievable it will be to have a hardware product and this is in part talking to my um co-founder who has some experience with this but like i think i think maybe even as soon as next year there might be really? some sort of hardware that comes out of this I'll, I'll keep some of those considerations under wraps at least for now but um you give know me a, give me an early version of it yeah well, we'll use you as a play <laughs> accessible.